Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today is a growth hacking expert and has worked with some of the top companies in the world across a variety of industries. She specializes in using data science to create and emphasize marketing strategies to help companies grow their customer bases. During the pandemic, she decided that she wanted to help support others to take care of their mental health and is now the co-founder of her new startup called Youmore, which is an app that uses AI and technology to be used as a tool for preventative care and to provide people with a greater awareness of themselves and their own mental health states. During this episode, we discuss her career experience working as a growth expert. She shares with us her knowledge regarding the importance of being data-driven and how she's applying that to the mental health space. And we talk about the importance of finding your why and being aligned on your mission in order to be successful as a startup. She has a unique ability to combine data science and creativity to develop strong marketing strategies and brands. Her drive and energy have enabled her to adapt to multiple industries and verticals and have been key factors in her success. And the last message she wanted to share with us is that mental health is not a privilege, it's a right, because everyone deserves a right to a healthy mind. Please welcome to the show, the co-founder of Humor, Miss Maria De Freitas. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I've, um, I've been looking forward to this one. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. So for people who don't know, me and Maria actually met about, I think, a month, month and a half ago at one of uh, a conference here that was all focused around mental health and so on. And from the first moment we got into a conversation, me and Maria, like five minutes, we're already talking about the psychology of mental health and everything. And we're really, really connected. And she's actually the one who introduced me to Alejandro, who was recently on the podcast as well, who's one of her co-founders uh, on Humor. So I want to take a different approach today and talk to the other half of the company and see, you know, your potential for the future and what you guys are looking to do and also talk about your experience and how we how we even got here. But before we get into everything, Maria, why don't you give all of us some background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Um, so, of course. So where, where should I start? I will start from the very beginning. Um, I was I'm actually I was born in Brazil, so I'm Brazilian, but I'm half Brazilian, half Portuguese. And I grew up most of my childhood in England. So a real citizen of the world. I then studied uh, a program called information management, which is a mixture of statistics and programming. And after my studies, I moved to Denmark, where I've lived for 10 years before I moved to the UAE. So getting through on every single continent. So what did I do in Denmark? I started my journey first working for a place called Saxo Bank. Uh, Saxo Bank's actually quite big here in the Middle East, uh, but it's we, we used to like to think of it as the original fintech player. They're awesome, amazing technology. They power some of the world's largest banks. Uh, their trading uh, technology is actually on Saxo Tech. And uh, I absolutely adored my time. And that's actually where I was first introduced to marketing. So for those of you who don't know, I have a bachelor's in information management and a master's in finance, to be specific, behavioral finance, which we can talk a little bit more about because I can talk about that for hours. But at Saxo, um, because of the way the company was structured, there was always an opportunity to try something new. And I was given the chance to run my own little marketing team. Now, Saxo was very early on on the digital space, and I learned everything I could learn uh, or, or start my journey in learning with them about digital marketing. And I was fascinated. And I hadn't realized it. I was already doing growth then. I, I didn't know it, but it was actually growth because digital marketing is all about math. And it's all about understanding how you get users to do what you want them to do. So I loved my time at Saxo. And I really got into this marketing thing. So once I was, I was at Saxo, I was like, okay, great. What next? What, what am I going to do? How am I going to go learn more about this marketing thing that I really love? So in Denmark, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Lego is actually Danish. They are um, a, a Danish family that founded the company. So I thought to myself, where can I go learn more? I'm going to go work for one of the world's biggest brands. And within a month, I was working for the Lego group. It was an incredible experience. We were, at the time, starting the Lego digital transformation, uh, started the first apps at the Lego group. This was back in 2014. It was, and actually, the, my coffee mug was our kickoff for 2016. <laughs> it was an absolutely <laughs> incredible experience. And, um, and whilst I was at Lego, this uh, founder, who I'd known, uh, reached out to me and he was like, hey, Marie, you want to come and do growth? And I was like, growth? What is this black magic? I don't know what this is. <laughs> and he was like, don't worry, you'll figure it out. 
So I joined a startup in Copenhagen and that was when I was really introduced to growth, which is, turns out is growth is a mixture of product. So understanding what you have, data science. So really knowing your numbers. And of course, marketing, because marketing is really about how you talk to consumers, how you position your brand. So if you think of marketing as making things pretty and creating the brand, growth is repackaging that for your product and for your customers in a way that they want it and then feeding back that loop. So I like to think as growth as marketing 2.0 in the modern world. Um, and that was really where my first introduction uh, this was company was called 23 Video. They've done exceptionally well. They're a video marketing platform, fully bootstrapped. Um, they are now really doing very well because they offer webinars. And uh, at 23, that uh, then I was lucky enough to move to, uh, I got headhunted to go join the Leo Innovation Lab. And this is where my mental health uh, uh, med uh, tech story starts. So for those of you who don't know, um, Leo Innovation Lab was uh, an incubator, accelerator, uh, investor, uh, and bu venture builder in Copenhagen, founded by Leo Pharma. And Leo Pharma is a very special pharmaceutical company because they're a foundation, which means all profits are reinvested into the business. So we were given the same amount of money that you, you take to, to run a clinical trial, and we were allowed to invest, build, buy, anything that would improve the lives of people living with chronic skin conditions. And it was such a ride. And so we can talk a little bit more about what we did at the lab, um, but I was there for nearly three years. And it was actually through the lab that Kareem, my previous employer, uh, reached out to me and asked if I would come and join them uh, before uh, the Uber acquisition to come and join them as head of growth. So um, I uh, then left the lab, moved to the Middle East and absolutely fell in love with this region and its people and the culture and the identity um, and, um, and then decided to co-found a startup here. So this is how I am here today. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that story with us. I always listen, love listening to how people, where they started and how they got to where they are and, you know, the various experiences on the way because it, really makes up like why people do are doing what they do now or how they got here um so so many points to talk about um listening to you it's very interesting how you in in a short amount in a not a, in a short amount of time you've worked at lego you worked at a bank you worked at kareem you worked at medtech and now you're in you more so You've really gone across m multiple industries, uh, so I think. That, but I think that's really cool because you get exposure to so many different ideas and so many different things. And yes, growth and marketing is the underlying uh, factor. But how do you apply that now to a brand new market, to a brand new product, to a brand new consumer base? So I'm curious from across those experiences, which one did you would you say is was the most challenging one, and which one did you really learn a lot from? Oh my gosh. They were all challenging in their own specific way. Um, and I, every single place I've been, I've taken something from it because um, if you work in the tech industry and if you work in the space, by the way, it's very normal to, to move from industry to industry because you apply the same principles. It actually is, it's all based on math and understanding how users interact and how they interact with your product. Um, what was my most challenging? My most challenging was probably Kareem, um, incredibly uh, fast-paced environment with incredibly smart individuals. I, I don't think I've ever worked with so, so many brilliant people in one single place at the same time. And, and that really, um, I, I really hats off because the founders were able to build a culture of true excellence. And I've, I've never seen um, not only so many talented individuals together, but so many talented individuals who every single day strive to be better. Um, that, that the work ethic was incredible. So I would say because, because everyone was so excellent, it puts a pressure on you yourself to be even more excellent. So that, that was, I would say, definitely my most challenging. Um, and with also very, uh, uh, very uh, ambitious growth targets as well. Um, where did I learn the most? 
I would say I learned the most at Saxo Bank um, because they threw me into the deep end and they gave me something I'd never had and I had to figure it out. And Saxo had um, a Jack Welsh approach uh, of business, which is top 10% up, bottom 10% out. So <laughs> you either sink or you swim. <laughs> Oh, wow. So that, that I would have said that uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was where I, you have to learn quick and move fast um, or, or you're, you're out. Um, but you know what you get into. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I, that's that's quite a ruthless approach, I must <laughs> I must say, uh, to have. But it, it, it's, it's not it's um, it's radical candor almost because you know what you're getting there. There is. Mm. Um, it is it is no pretense, uh, very clear objectives, and so you you know what you're going in, and and you do get rewarded for the results. Uh, so it is you you are very conscious of the contract that you have. Yeah, no, I think and that's I think that's a fair point. At least you know if you are in the top ten percent, you know where you stand. You know you know what you know what you're gonna get. So you know you're in a pretty good spot. So I guess that fuels the motivation. But also on the point that you with Kareem, I think that's a I think that's a very interesting thing that but it's so true because everyone speaks about this. You know, if you want to grow the most as a person, surround yourself with people who are either smarter than you, better than you, because you feed off that energy and that's how you grow and that's how you get all these new ideas to start like tackling new challenges and so on. And on the Kareem part, because I think there's a because you were the head of growth there. And I think sometimes there can be a misconception between sales and customer growth are those two would you because i don't think those two are necessarily the same thing but i know they they do feed into each other so what would you say to that oh it's interesting so i don't i've never done sales in my life um the way i myself perceive sales to be is that you you have some type of service and you're actively um pitching that service to another human so i i do believe that sales has a very human component where you, you, you have a, a social or a physical contract with another individual, at least in my perspective. Um, and, but where, whereas growth, uh, our objective is very much light touch, very much uh, the big volumes uh, where you do it at scale um, and you do it at speed. So, so it's very rare that you, you do get that personal contact that you would with sales where, where you're discussing um, so be it if you're in a counter at a shop and uh, you're selling a product, the, the attention that you give your customer is at a completely different level than if you just have a digital ad and the person's converting or you're, you're just uh, sending them that right promotion at the right time. So, so I have an immense respect for sales uh, people because I, I, I don't think I could do that job. It's, it's actually, it's much harder because you, you really have to, you're, you're really... Um, put into the fire and you have to prove yourself to the user <laughs> yeah so if i understood correctly that means that it sounds like customer growth you're you're kind of the the back end and sales would be kind of the front end you optimize all the processes and all the marketing and so on and then me as the sales rep is my job to take those tools and to go out and actually start selling would that be right completely right so for example at 23 video which was uh, the SaaS platform i worked with um, that um, they, the way we would work is growth and marketing. We would uh, create the whole pipeline. We would um, get in the users, uh, get in the leads. Um, we, we would build a full ecosystem. We would bring the honey and then they had to go and get the bear. <laughs> so we would build the honey pots and uh, we would even say how many times this user has uh, looked at uh, this product demo, how many times have they checked on the website. Um, and then it would be up to the sales rep to go and say, you know, um, Mr. and so-and-so, I've seen your interest. Uh, by the way, we have this very specific niche that caters to your business. They, it was their job to close, which is extremely hard in B2B. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, funny. I had the easy job. They had the hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that because I, so I, my background is in sales. So I would be the guy calling people up and like do, uh, trying to close the deals and so on. But I realized without, I think, like you said, sales is a human touch, but mark, like the marketing department has such a big 
influence on how successful we're going to be because we need the understanding of the customers we need the content we need to like you said so when you were saying like this uh, client viewed this video three times four times yeah I, that's what i'll be looking at and then okay hi sir how how are you i think we could we could work together so i i just give me flashbacks from from those days um but uh, on that point so i know especially now with digital marketing like you said uh there's like a science behind it and a lot of it is data-driven and analytics-driven. So how important, do you th in your opinion, do you think data is nowadays to the success of an organization or a business? Oh, it's intrinsic. Uh, it, if, you, if you don't know what your users are doing, you are flying blind because your competitor is going to know. So it's, um, I would have said 10 years ago, you could do it without it because nobody had it, but now it's, um, it's almost like the risk of disinformation. So you as a player, you, you need to be extremely sharp because your competitor is just as sharp. So if you're not looking at what are my customers doing? Why are they doing this? Where are my risks? What days don't they buy? Why don't they buy? If you don't have these answers at, you know, at, at the tip of your tongue, your competitor is gonna have them. And, in, an, in the, an ecosystem, regardless of industry, we are entering a mark, a playing field where everyone is more informed, there are more brands, there are more consumers, so how do you stand out? And, and sometimes you need to also remember in this world of digital, you are not competing with your competitor only. You are competing with every single brand who wants the attention of the customer. And, and so you really, so you're not, so your competitor is, is not the person in your same industry. Yes, they're your direct competitor, but you're competing for that share of time. It's that time attention that is incredibly valuable. So yes, uh, you, you need it. If you don't, you're behind. Um, I think that's a, you made a very good point that, especially now that everything's in the digital space, that to remember that, yes, you have competitors in the field, but you're not just competing for that. And the whole world right now with the, how the more technology is advancing, the more addicted we're becoming to our phones and to all these kind of things. Attention is that resource that everyone's trying to grab. But whether you're in that space or not in that space, if I can grab your time, I can grab your attention. There's a there's a chance potentially you can become a customer in the future or an advocate for whatever I'm trying to do. And on the point about data, like you said, I think it's you're 100% right that it is intrinsic. You need it nowadays. But I also think that having it is one thing, like collecting it, which is great because you need it. But I think the key lies in how are you using it? And how are you understanding it? So is it is it is, is it enough to just have the data or does it need to be a process or a strategy behind it. Okay, how are we going to take this and apply it to like the business goals and KPIs and so on? You're a hundred percent on the money. Um, you can have all the data in the world, uh, but if you don't know what you do, you're, you'll end up with analysis paralysis. <laughs> and uh, you, yeah, it's true, and I've seen it happen a lot. So my recommendation is: think, what is your most important number? What is the one thing you're trying to impact? Is it revenue? Um, is it volume of sales? Um, is it just time spent if you're a content producer? So my, my advice is, what is that one number that rules them all? And this is what we call your North Star metric. So you pick one number that is your most important number that you're going to focus on, um, on driving forward. And, uh, and so, for example, uh, for a company like Kareem, in the early days, it would have been trips. How many trips are we doing? And everything was decomposed around trips. Of course, now the business is much more complex um, with uh, the super app, which everyone's, of course, very familiar with. Um, uh, for, for us at UMore is how many, uh, in, uh, so uh, I've, uh, for our mental health platform, how many check-ins do we have? So how many times are users checking in? So you, you want to identify that one number that rules them all. And through that number, you reverse engineer the mathematics to get more of that number. So uh, for example, um, for something like, uh, uh, so for your daily check-in, okay, great. They're, they're not check, uh, when they check in, why are they checking in? Why are they not checking in? Fantastic. How long are they staying? Um, 
uh, did they do it after a push notification or did they do it organically? And then you start figuring out what are the contributing factors to that one number, because that will tell you what you need to do to fix that, uh, fix that number. Yeah. Or improve it, not fix yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think that's such a good point that I've never considered before is because I would always assume that the most important number for any business, I think, is, you know, that the bottom line, that revenue, that cash in the pocket at the end of the day. But I think, like you said, I think a different that obviously is the end goal, but there's different north stars you can have at different stages so for example with you more you guys for example have the check-ins so that could be so a north star for example could be engagement or maybe time spent on the app how do we keep users on the app so i think i think it's a very good point that that can change that can change over time um i so when it comes to setting like that north star is it just going to be based in your experience on what does the business need right now or is it more of a long-term a long-term play so I think North Stars should be, you should set them, it depends how quickly you're moving as a company. So how stable is your product? If your product is evolving constantly, your North Star is going to change with that product. Um, so in the infancy of the company, yes, uh, you, you're going to be looking for frequency numbers, engagement numbers. As you become more mature, eventually revenue will be a number. But I don't like looking at revenue in, it, in itself um, or, or even, uh, of course, you need profitability, but that is a number that doesn't tell you much about your business. So uh, why are you increasing revenue? Can you find something that describes what drives your revenue? So, um, for example, if, if you're selling uh, toys, your revenue is driven by the number of toys you sell. So isn't that a better description? How many toys am I selling? Or am I just selling more expensive toys? Because if you're selling more expensive toys, your revenue will go up, but you're not necessarily selling more toys. So is your business better or worse? So I, I would challenge, um, find the thing that's at the right stage for you. It should be somewhat permanent. Uh, like I would say a year, year maybe. It depends how mature your business is or if you're in an evolving state. Um, so for us at Umore, we're not revenue focused right now, not at all. We're, we, we're completely growth focused. So that, that, that wouldn't be something we would be looking at right now. Yeah, um, I think that's a very good point that it all depends on where, what stage you're at in the company, what do you try, what's the, and I think you made a very good point about the revenue because I think a lot of people would think, oh, my sales are increasing, we're generating more, more revenue, that's great, but without, taking a look at why that's happening. You don't understand exactly what's going on and how can we, you know, push that further in the future. You could have just, you could have just increased your prices. It, there you go, exactly, exactly. Nothing could have changed, but you might have, you might have increased the price. Um, I wanted to come back to something you said earlier, which I thought was interesting, which is, you know, with digital marketing um, and your experience with growth, how you, so you create, you create something and then you use um, the, like the, data behind it to repackage it to deliver it to your to your consumers in a much more effective way um i'm curious can there can one sometimes can i feel sometimes if you're too data driven that can hinder maybe potentially the creativity of the stuff you're trying to make what would you say to that or do you think is there a balance that you kind of need to find so this way we start really going into is is, is your brand functional or is your brand aspirational so nowadays when you look at apple they, they have a very aspirational brand. So, so Apple doesn't tell you, we build, we build great computers with amazing processing power. You'll never hear them say that. They will tell you, we build computers that change the world. Because uh, Apple is already at a stage in their uh, brand ecosystem where they, they can have the luxury to be extremely aspirational, where their, their users follow the brand because of what the brand stands for much more than what is the CPU or the camera pixel quality. It, it is because of what, how you identify with them. Um, I, I would argue for earlier stage products, um, you don't know what your brand is. You don't know what, uh, what you are yet, so you need to experiment. And so um, the challenge I have with being, I, I, creativity is in, essential for innovation, but you have to do it a lot of times. So constant, mm. uh, and this is where the data comes in. So you need to experiment a lot. You don't know what's gonna work until, you don't know what you don't know. So, so, so 
a creative opinion is very subjective and it's a one-off. So you need to do a hundred of those to find which one resonates. So, so yes, you do need creativity, but you need the data to figure out if that works. Um, of course, once you're an established brand with, with a base and you know what your users want and why they follow you, 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 you can have a very aspirational, high touch uh, ecosystem. But at the beginning, you need to be you know, very, very focused, very functional. And because um, and, you, you still don't know that why. You still don't know that that secret source that people love about you and it's going to take time to figure that out yeah no for sure and that's such a good point that the data kind of it fuels the creativity in a way because like you said you need to keep trying things and experimenting and you only know what's going to work when you take a look at the data it's like oh are we going in the right direction okay cool we continue doing this if not we're gonna to have to change some things up so it's now i understand how the two kind of play play together they don't hinder each other they kind of complement each other if anything um and working in i was curious to hear from you because you've worked in so many different uh industries and with growth and so on so what is it about like i guess this vertical that you've developed an expertise in that you enjoy the most Oh, what I, I like the speed of it. We do things so fast. Okay. Uh, like, I love the speed of it. Uh, I could easily, I'll give you an example for you more. I just ran a campaign with 950 different ad permutations to find what like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, um, you build it with some uh, variable builders. It's just to like test that one message and find what people really, really, really love um it's lots of speed real impact in real time so anything you do you can do it very 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 quickly so um i think you've noticed i have a lot of energy <laughs> if that doesn't come across so so i i i i um i really see myself in the work that i do and so because i'm I'm naturally a very high energy person. I like things that move very quickly. So, so I think that's what always attracted me to, to growth and why I didn't like, well, I loved brand marketing. Don't get me wrong, but the, when you do brand marketing, you're doing campaigns that you do them once or twice a year. That's it. It's very, very long. Um, and, and I like, um, and I like being there with the customer, getting that feedback, understanding what they want, why they want it, what they love, what they hate. Um, so, so I love talking to people and I, I think growth gives us, give me, gives me that opportunity. So I, yeah, it's the speed of it. I, I love it. Speed and yeah. impact. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, and I think that's a, that, that makes a lot of sense, especially with, like you were saying, the speed of it also gives you because it's speed and you're constantly talking to different people and trying so many different things. You get that, like you correctly said, that real time validation. So, you know, very quickly what's going to work, what's not going to work. Obviously over time you get a much broader picture, but it gives you the flexibility and that's where I guess the excitement and the energy comes from. It's like, okay, we're going to try this now. Oh no. Okay. Let's go back to trying something else. So no, I totally understand. I wanted to take a slight, just a small tangent um, from our conversation. Cause I, this is something interesting. Cause I recent, so I recently got, involved or interested in <clears throat> the crypto space and the crypto market and investing in cryptocurrency and my daily life is now just staring at charts and graphs and i saw that uh back in 2019 you actually had a company for a year valiant which is was using ethereum smart contracts and on the blockchain so i've spoken to people who have invested in crypto i haven't spoken to anyone who's actually built something on like ethereum and on the blockchain so i'm just curious how was that experience what are your thoughts on blockchain and the future of that so um so this was uh i at the iLab when i was working there uh our ceo had a policy which was really interesting he was like I will create the best environment for tech people to come and work with, uh, with us. Um, and a part of the environment was you were allowed to spend some of your individual time working on your own startup. So you, uh, it's, you could, because you could stop working at five o'clock to work on your own thing. So together with some of my colleagues uh, at the lab, at the then uh, head of mobile, he's now heading up uh, Apple Maps development for Europe. He's incredible. He was my CTO. We were really interested in smart contracts. Um, so smart contracts have a functionality which was super cool because they were codable. Um, and the technology behind Ethereum was really, really awesome. Um, uh, I, I just We just really liked how the technology was working. And so what we were doing was we were building state channels 
which is this gets a little bit technical, but basically one of the highest, uh, one of the big, most challenging uh, factors of Ethereum is gas. Uh, so uh, yeah. transaction fees. Uh, for, for the people who don't understand, when when you process um, cryptocurrencies, there there is a fee that you pay associated to that transaction for the listeners. And on Ethereum, the gas fees were were quite um, quite high. So what we would do is through state channels, you could lock in two users. So say you and I, we trust each other. We will lock in, and then we could transact uh, bidirectionally, continuously without paying gas. Once we were happy with our values, we would then take it on the chain and clear it. So we were playing around. We we overcomplicated it. We wanted to build an options trading platform. We should have been. We should have. Um, we made the rookie mistake as founders, where we overcomplicated something that was actually quite simple. We should have just done micropayments. <laughs> we should have just really simplified it. We should have just done micropayments between two trusted parties. Um, but uh, it was really fun. I was uh, very much into the the community. Uh, it, it was we we were part of the Boston Blockchain Week. Went up to MIT. We got to work with some awesome people. So it was um it was a project where we had a lot of fun, but we were of course inexperienced founders, and we learned a lot, and we made a couple of pitfalls. Uh, so it's it's a very long story on all the things that went wrong and with hindsight they were very fixable um, and uh, now second time around uh, doing my second startup I'm trying not very hard not to make the same mistakes because it, it is you you do get yourself um, as founders there's infinite opportunities but you need to hyper focus um, so simplicity is king um, uh, product roadmap is king. Um, but no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. We were, we were doing some very cool stuff. I, I can still, still have our white papers somewhere. <laughs> no way. That's awesome. That's so interesting that you were in that space. Um, cause I've just recently learned about it. So even listening to, to your story and from the news I read, I'm only now starting to understand, like, like asked me a few weeks ago, what a smart contract is. I'd be like, I have no idea. I've never heard, of, I've never even heard of something like that before, but it's really cool that you had that experience and. I guess the best thing is you we're starting any business like we were saying earlier it's going to take two things i think time and you're going to make mistakes that's inevitable so it's awesome that there's a lot of learnings you took from that like simplicity like having a very clear roadmap that now are coming into into you more so let's move on to you more in that case because i want to hear from your side so how did you get into you more how did this all start how did you and alejandro uh, even meet i i didn't i don't know what that story is so we, um, humor came about, um, so humor, we, Alejandro and I actually met at Techstars um, last year, and our goal at the time, so together with some friends, I joined an NHS hackathon for Techstars. So for those of you who don't know, the NHS is the National Health Service in the United Kingdom. And our goal was, we feel that during COVID, we're not doing much. And the only way we can give back is how we know, and that's through digital products. So we got together and Alejandro and I met there and we we started conceptualizing humor. This was a, it's almost a year today. Yeah, we're getting April, 2020. And we, we were just like, okay, where, where do we see that we believe that we can make a big impact? And I do think mental health, even though people are like, oh, it's so crowded. It's actually not crowded. There are still, very few tools to offer accessible and affordable mental health care. Very few. That you have a lot of meditation apps, you have a lot of telemedicine apps, but affordable tools for you to self-manage, very, very few. So we saw an opportunity and so we met, we, we won the Techstars Hackathon and we started working it on weekends as it was, we did it as a way to give back in this time of chaos. And then it turned out that we actually had a business <laughs> and we were like, wait a second, this is becoming quite good. So I quit Kareem to go. So the, by the way, first mistake in our previous startup, we did not quit our jobs. And that was, this is a, one learning that I'll never do again. You cannot do a startup part time. You need to commit 110% because it is extremely, yeah, that was number one mistake. We didn't quit our jobs. If you believe in what you're doing, you believe in so much that you're going to ask people to give you money you should be, you know, risking everything. There's, um, uh, uh, there, there's a very famous saying that is, 
as a founder, you need to jump off a plane without a parachute and build a plane on the way down. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was mistake number one. So uh, now all our founders have, are, are going full time. So I was the first one. We, because, um, you know, if you need to believe in it yourself. Um, and so how can you convince others if, if you're not going, you know, full committed? Um, it's the, you know, the, the story of the bacon and the eggs, the bacon's committed to the breakfast, the eggs are not, <laughs> which that's a, that's not a, a good sentence in the Middle East because, uh, bacon is not, uh, eaten, but, um, the turkey bacon you get the, 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 yeah, for sure. Turkey, exactly. The turkey bacon is committed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and, um, and so we came together, uh, so we've got, we're four founders, we've got, Joe, Carl, and Alejandro, they are brilliant individuals. And I cannot stress how much founding a company with a mission and a vision will drive you through the hard times. And this was the other thing that we didn't have in our first company. So when I did Valiat for the first time, we were, we were doing it because we enjoyed the tech. We thought it was really cool. We really thought smart contracts were super cool and there was so much to be done with them. And there is, there is. I think uh, Ethereum is game-changing. Um, I, I really do believe in the technology. Um, what uh, Vitalik did was pure genius. Um, but we didn't have that mission. Uh, we, we were just enjoying ourselves, having fun in a very fast-moving and exciting space in the, uh, well, not even early days. It was already quite mature as an industry. Um, but with Valiant, we came together with a very strong mission. Because our mission was we want to make mental health care affordable and accessible to all, regardless of income and location. And we're doing this because our goal as founders is we want to measure the mind. So that really, really helped. So we, we started working on it. And then in December, we so October, we launched our alpha, December, our beta, and yeah, over 2,500 users. So now in the UAE. I don't know if I've already said this, but yeah, in the UE, we're number 80 on the app store, which is pretty cool. And yeah, I know free apps, right? It's insane. And we're only on Android. We haven't even launched on iOS. Um, we didn't even expect that. And in the UK, we're number four for stress tracking. So that was pretty wow. insane as well. I know, right? Top 10. So, um, so and our product is still very thin. It, it's still a very... Um, baby version of what it, we want it to be. So we, we know that this space is super interesting and we know that there is a lot that's going to happen. And I'm, I'm very privileged to have awesome, awesome co-founders. Yeah. But, uh, another recommendation. Well, the first time I also did it with awesome co-founders that are really, uh, but when you uh, do a company with your founders, do it for the mission. Clear mission, clear vision. Um, even, as, even if your mission is that you want to be a billionaire, that's also fine. That, that's actually also okay if that's your mission. But make sure that you're hyper aligned on that. Mm. I think uh, so many, so many points to talk about. Uh, I want to start, first of all, with um, something you said, which I think so this is something that I, I think about a lot. And when I speak to people, everyone said like, so when you you said to do a startup, one of the biggest mistakes you learned from Valiant is that you have to be 100% committed to it. And I love what you said that because if you don't believe in the product, how can I expect someone else to to pay me for, for this product or for this service? And that's something I really respect. But what's interesting is that you you started it on the side and then you dove, then you went into it as you saw things pick up. So what, what advice do you have? Because sometimes people are like, oh, I, I really want to start this business, but uh, either let's say you have a family, you have you know bills, you, you know it's a big. Obviously, there's a big risk that you have to take. It's not you know it's not something you do on a whim. So, looking back now, would would you advise people to build it slowly on the side if if you can't dive into it fully, build it slowly on the side, and then when you reach a certain point, dive in? Or what would you say to that? Because I think that is something that a lot of people who want to start their own business uh, and want to become entrepreneurs face. You know because to say, yeah, follow your passion, all that is great. And I do believe in that. But I think there also needs to be a bit of reality in what's this in, in that step. Quitting your job and not having income is extremely difficult for anyone. Um, so you have to plan around it. You, you, so I quit first and then my co-founders quit later. So we, we made a strategic plan. So my recommendation is set a date, set a date and uh, figure out like, can I, how much money do I need to get me there? 
So after that date, when am I going to start fundraising? Do I have enough capital to get me there? Um, who's going to go full time? So you have to plan this. Don't don't just like okay, I'm gonna. Don't don't just really think about how if if money is an issue, which for most people it is. So um, uh, you can you can save a little bit. Um, I, I'm I'm very lucky. I, I have my husband who's very supportive. So I, I'm very privileged to to be married to uh, an individual who believes in my crazy ambitions. Um, uh, and uh, and having a support system around you is also really, really important because there will be days where it is very difficult, where you struggle and you question yourself and you ask like, oh, why did I do this? Um, but those days are short if you have the right people around you. So yes, plan for it, uh, make it strategic, but just set a date, commit to yourself. It, it's do a social contract with yourself and with your team of how where you guys wanna go. Um, one of the best advice I actually got from an investor, he's an American investor from Seattle. He was like, ask yourself, what is the next stage you want to be at? And then reverse engineer the place you're going to get, <laughs> how you're going to get there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that. He was like, yeah, go do that pitch deck for your next race. Go do the pitch deck for the one after that. And then reverse engineer, okay, if I want to get there, how do I do it? Instead of uh, thinking in um, a sequence, reverse engineer the math. So so um, ask yourself, okay, where do I want to be in a year and what do I need to do to get there? I think that's amazing advice. I really like that. I could, I've, I've never heard of that before because it's, but it makes so much, it makes, it makes, it just makes so much sense. When you look at it like that, it's a lot more structured. It's a lot more, you see where I'm trying to go and you try to reverse it. And I think that's something that a lot of people, I think a lot, that's what a lot of us struggle with um, is, Knowing where I want to go is one thing. Like I know where I want to be, for example, in five years, but I don't know. But if I don't have a plan to get there, there's so many moving parts that I need to do to get there that you become overwhelmed. And I think that can stop people and affect their motivation and so on. And like you correctly said, having a support system around you is so important. Like I can speak from my own experience. Like I've had days that I'm like, I've, I've had the questions like, what am I doing? Is this the right thing to do? I don't know. But having people around you who actually believe in you and support you really is so important and so crucial. And coming back to you more. So I, th I remember one of the, in our one of the first conversations we had, we were talking about how you were talking about you more and the vision behind it and to make making it accessible to mental health accessible to as many people as possible. And uh, I remember I was saying that with certain things, you probably need, uh, you know, a therapist or so on. But you made a very good point that not everyone has the resources, uh, financial resources to pay for a therapist. So how do we start helping them without doing that? So I think that's a, where you guys fit in is so important because if you don't need a therapist, great. You know, you more can help you just manage the daily stress levels, give you more awareness about yourself, which is great. And if you do, it's you now have a un, much better understanding of yourself and why you need that therapist. And is it do like is it a situation that deserves or needs that that extra bit of help? So I like you said, it's a very nice niche that you guys have found. And you're right. It's not a crowded space. It's not a crowded space yet. People talk about mental health a lot, but there's not many I don't think there's many companies in the world, at least not from my knowledge, that are directly focused on mental health and, you know, helping people better. Like you said, there's a lot of meditation apps, but there's not many that are doing the kind of work that you guys are doing. And also one thing you said, which really surprised me was when you're talking through like, OK, this is what you do. You download the app and then you have to fill in the questionnaire and then you get on. Then you have access to the app. And so I did that. I actually downloaded the app and I spoke about it with Alejandro briefly and that I remember I was telling you the questionnaire, like, I don't know if that's going to be like, we'll put people off joining, but it's so simple. It's very simple. It's very easy. You know, it didn't have, didn't give me any, like, I didn't feel any much resistance from it. And it's a very intuitive platform. Um, and your conversion, I remember you telling me the number of people that convert was in incredible. Our numbers are, no, 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 uh, you're completely right. Yeah, we've got, um, and our onboarding takes like three minutes and we've got uh, over 80% conversion. Um, it's insane. Um, very few I've, apps I've worked with, I've had these numbers with, um, and that just signals to the problem, right? That yeah. you people want help and you're completely right. Anything severe, and this, I need to be very clear. Anything severe has to always be dealt with a professional. Yeah. So we are only supporting mild to moderate, uh, situations, but 
we don't want people to get to a severe state. If you can, you know, catch it before it becomes a problem, you won't get to a severe state. If, if you catch burnout, if you, you know, take care of yourself, you will not have chronic anxiety because it's all progressive. You start with chronic stress will lead to anxiety. Chronic anxiety will lead to a depression. It is an escalation. And so our goal is just like, let's help people, you know, face these demons before they become demons. Yeah. Just nip it in the bud. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, uh, like um, I mean, Alejandro was talking about how there's because I asked him, is there a lack of preventative care or is there a lack of, you know, like uh, what's the other uh, reactive care, you know, in the world, which would be like a therapist and so on. And I think what you guys are doing is so important because it is that preventative side. There's a, if you can, if you catch it at the right time, if, you know, humor comes into your life at the right time, it can prevent you from getting to that stage or needing to go to that therapist or, you know, whatever the case might be. So I think it's a very, it's a very important thing that you guys are doing. And I love, I love the vision behind it. And, you know, I've used the platform myself and it is fantastic that I get the check-ins every once in a while. Just how am I doing today? I'm like, okay, I'm not too stressed. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Life's looking good. Um, so I want to, I'm curious. So you said you learned a lot from your, from the, from your last experience trying to run a, uh, with Valiant and how that's played into you more but what it, and you said something about being hyper aligned with your with your co-founders on the vision why is that so crucial if you want the company to to really take off and be successful because you <laughs> uh uh because we are essentially trying when you run a startup you, there will be a long time where you're operating on fumes. You won't have money. You, you won't have capital. Uh, there will be days uh, that are good and days that are bad, um, but you you won't have, um, not all days are gonna be good. So you need to remember why, why you're doing that. Why are you helping people? And if you have a mission, which you all stand behind it, you'll remind yourself, no, 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 this is not for me. This is for something bigger. This is why it's that why. And it will drive you so deeply that you will forget the problems that you have and you'll get back and focus. Um, there's this, um, there's some great, um, there, there's this, uh, this golden circle principle by Simon Sinek. Um, he does a TED talk for anyone who hasn't seen it. I thoroughly recommend it. Um, and you need to know your why. And if your why is strong, you will succeed. So, so value alignment, um, there, I, I recommend all founders should do a founder exercise where they write down, we, I have my team do this. Um, every founder should do it. Write down, what are you trying to achieve? And it, it is perfectly okay to say, I want to be a billionaire. That, that, that is not, do not feel guilty but make sure that that's also the goal of your founders. So make yeah. sure that you're all there to do the same thing. You, you might, um, so at the iLab, our goal was to improve the lives of people living with chronic skin conditions. And our founders were very, very focused on that goal. So every single number we would look at, how many lives did we improve? How many patients? How many people? What, what was that volume? So, so um, founder alignment will get you through the hard times, but it will also get you through the good times. Um, so it's, it's really, it's a survival instinct that if you don't have, it'll be very tough. Because I mean, like only, what, 5% of startups make it? Yeah, and that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty crazy that that's, that's the statistic. Um, but I think you made a very good point about the why. And I think this doesn't just apply to a startup, I think, coming back to your why applies to your life even personally what is the impact like with a startup what is the impact that we want to make with this startup uh, when it comes to you what is the impact what is my purpose what do i want to have in this world because like you said in that there are going to be tough times it's not all rainbows and butterflies uh in in life that's just not how it is so coming back to that why will help you get through those tough times and the the hard days and you know keep you going keep you moving forward so I think that's great, great advice. And yeah, guys, Simon Sinek is fantastic. So if you haven't listened to that talk, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, Maria, I just have... it's it's what I we I have I make my team watch it once in a while, and I make all the interns also watch it. Um, it's uh, it's super critical. Yeah, hundred percent. He he's fantastic. He he really is. Like his talks, some of the talks that he's had, I just sit back and I'm just like, 
like wow my brain has just been like exploded like i never thought of things in this way or like looked at things from that perspective so i totally i totally understand where you're coming from uh, maria for my last two questions uh, these are questions that i ask all my guests number one is looking back over your career and everything you've accomplished or maybe even in your personal life what would you say you're most proud of for yourself huh i don't know that i'm here today that, you, like, that you're here today yeah, because every step we take gets us further. There, it's, um, there are things that we accomplish that are cool and amazing. You get awards, and, but it's a journey. So I'm most proud for actively being on that journey. So every step you make, it's, it's about the small things. Because if I say like, oh, I won this award for this, which I did, but that was, that was a one-off, but it was just a part of the journey. So I'm most proud for having the courage to do the journey. Yeah, I think that's, that's beautiful. And I, that's, I think so many people can resonate with that because like you said, that award or that one moment is, is great and it is cool, but it's like everything, every decision that you took to get to where you are today, you know, I think that's what people can resonate with a lot. And that's awesome that that's how you feel. And for my last question, Maria, um, what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today? That um, mental health is not a privilege, it's a right, because everyone deserves the right to a healthy mind. <laughs> I could not have said it any, any better myself. I think that's a beautiful message. And I, as you know, I, I'm a big supporter of what you guys do and of mental health in general. So I love that. Maria, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Since our first conversation, I'm like, I have to have you on the show. I'm sure it would be a fantastic conversation. And it was, as I expected. I really learned so much from you about, you know, growth and how to think about, you know, marketing and how you combine the two and mental health and just so many different points about startups and founders and coming back to why that we touched on today. So I've learned a lot from our conversation. So thank you. Uh, and I think a lot of people can take something from this. Oh, I loved it. I, I can talk about this for hours. Uh, I think we are kindred spirits and um, uh, when you share a passion for, and the same uh, beliefs in helping people. So I think uh, it's, it's easy to, to talk. So thank you so much for having me here. And it's such a privilege to talk to you today as well. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Awesome. I'm so glad. Uh, guys, to everyone listening, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And as always, hope it helps. Peace.